0: shovel kill. Big Five, four, three, two, one. Player one. Ready, go! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Player One Reviews in the Flashback series. Um, I am former producer Connor, joined by Eleni. Eleni, how are you
1: doing? I'm good, Connor. I'm very excited for this podcast installment, one of my favorite series. But yes, how are you going?
0: I'm doing very well. And yeah, you you got very hyped about this because we're actually going to be talking about the original uh, Bioshock, or maybe not the original, but the remastered edition of Bioshock. But we're going to be talking about, in, in due time, the whole Bioshock series. We're going to be starting off with the original. I guess before anything, let's start with your experiences with the series.
1: It's actually quite a funny one because um the first Bioshock game I ever played was actually Infinite. So I kind of played it in a weird order, but the first Bioshock is one of my favorite games ever. I originally played it on the xbox 360 and it was one of those games i had in the house for ages and i was always terrified to play it because obviously there are some extreme horror elements but i think looking like you know when you look at the design of the game it looks terrifying once i played that game i just fell in love with the world building which i know we'll talk about later in the narrative like i always love like story driven games and games that have beautiful visuals and i think bioshock just like encapsulates that in such a great way. But yeah, what what are your experiences with Bioshock? Literally the
0: same thing as you. The first time I played Bioshock was Bioshock Infinite. I think around, it was either 2014 or 2015 and that was on the PlayStation 3. And with my copy of Bioshock Infinite, there was a uh, free install of the original Bioshock. So I had played maybe an hour tops, of the original Bioshock, and I don't remember why I stopped. I genuinely don't remember why I stopped. And when the so I played this on the on the Switch when that when that port was announced with Ports of Bioshock Two and Infinite, I had wanted to at least dive back into the series. Now that came out, I believe, on uh, May twenty eighth. Of uh, 2020, the same day as the Borderlands collection, which at the time I went with the Borderlands collection. But I, but on Black Friday in 2020, I actually did scoop up the Bioshock collection for a, an absolute deal. So thank you Black Friday and thank you capitalism for it. But let's get into the game, and I want eleni I want you to really dive into the story here. Now this is a 14-year-old game. I'm sure you'll live with spoilers.
1: Yeah. And like I was saying to you before we started recording, I think the ending of the first Bioshock is obviously one of the greatest twists, I think, in gaming history, but also probably one of the most spoiled ever. And so I guess, yeah, for people who don't really know the game or can't remember because it has been so long you play as jack the protagonist and essentially the game opens with this awesome plane crash number which i still love and i just started replaying the game and i just remembered how great the opening is and then you end up in the underwater world of rapture which again the first moment where you end up in rapture and you're traveling through and you see sort of the visuals and like we said looking at the remaster and just how beautiful it is. I think from the get-go, you sort of see how this game is going to be fantastic.
0: It's that first and only moment of beauty within Rapture before you go to the depravity.
1: Exactly, I guess. And that's such a like, symbolic moment of the whole story. But yeah, it's the whole, on the surface, it's such a beautiful world. And then once you land and you get there and you see that first splicer, which still terrifies me, you're just like, oh boy, what, a, what have we signed up for? What world are we living in? And then, yeah, I guess from there, it's... It's such an interesting game because you you never really know why you're there sort of until the last moments. Mm. And you hear the voice of Atlas, who, you know, that Irish lilt just really, really draws you in. You immediately go, what a great guy. (laughs) I don't know. Does the Irish accent do that for you as well? I find it such a like friendly voice. You've got to have a good Irish accent. For the first maybe
0: three quarters of the game, you're sort of led by Atlas
1: throughout. And I guess it's kind of that conventional, and I think that's why I love the twist so much because it's a very conventional, you know, you have the radio, you have the voice telling you what to do. There's obviously that scene early on, and that's one of the sort of first objectives you have is you've got to find Atlas's family and save his, his wife and child. And that's sort of in the process. I think at that point you run into the plastic surgeon Steinem. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and that's one of the things I love about Bioshock. I think there are so many interesting characters, and he's one of them. I just got up to that part in the game, and that's just such a kooky character. I think such a, you know, there's something always interesting about an unethical doctor, I think.
0: There were, there were two, there were really, for me, only two parts that were legitimately I would put in that horror category. And that was like number one on the list. Mm. Like that one was freaky.
1: Oh, definitely. And I think that's where it's a funny game because it's definitely like it has horror elements, but I've always found with this game that the real horror is like the commentary of the content, you know, like for example, you know, running into the, the little sisters and the big daddies, that whole concept in itself is something to be horrified by. But yeah, so we get to Atlas's family and they die supposedly. That is what we're led to believe. Clearly the story unravels. We meet some more interesting characters. My favorite character in this whole game is Sander Cohen. I don't know if you're a fan. I just love that whole storyline where, you know, he's the evil genius musician with the bunny masks, which are just horrifying.
0: See, for, for Cohen, I feel like that particular part was not shoehorned, but it was a way of padding out the game because it had a very loose connection to the plot it was just i think that entire part was
1: there just to fill in oh yeah i completely agree yeah in the grand scheme of things it's sort of like a side quest in a way like a big side diversion but i think just because i loved Santa cohen so much i thought he was like such a charismatic character that i enjoyed every part of that so yes we do that but then obviously the ultimate sort of storyline it's why we in rapture and we are sent to murder a man named andrew ryan who For most of the game, never meet the man, but you hear his voice, you know, that he's the creator of Rapture, and you're led to believe that he's sort of this dictator who's sending all of the splices after you. He's a horrible man. And then you finally have sort of the moment where you confront him. And it's one of those things where throughout the game, Atlas, the voice that you're hearing, repeats the phrase, would you kindly? And again, the Irish lilt, it's like, oh yeah, he's just being a friendly, charismatic guy. And then there, of course, is the big twist in the game where you realize that sort of in a crazy complicated way atlas becomes this man named fontaine or or is revealed to be fontaine who is sort of this thug like villain who whose main goal was to topple andrew ryan and to murder him and ultimately through the character of jack that you play he ends up achieving that goal and there's that horrific scene where you end up you know beating up andrew ryan brutally and murdering him with the pipe in the skull which always just makes me laugh that visual and so it's yeah that crazy reveal the would you kindly is a phrase that's been controlling you this whole time and it's such an interesting concept because obviously so much of playing a video game is you the player having the free will and then realizing that everything that the character of Jack's been doing and you in turn has been on the sort of choice of Fontaine or Atlas and so then in a sort of rushed final act I always think I always forget how little the end of that sort of part of the game is through the help of Bridget Tenen Baum, who is probably my favorite character in the whole game and I know I've spoken on like player one on our episodes about how much I love her and I wanted more of her she helps you take down Fontaine and sort of really topple that crazy man who's been not only controlling you but really sort of brought such a horrible vibe to Rapture as a whole and through that you sort of just really you just kill everyone in the game do you feel like that's a fair assumption yeah were you a fan of that final boss fight because I wasn't
0: I found it way too easy
1: And you know what's really funny? I completely agree with you. And I remember watching a video before I played the first game and it was like top 10 hardest boss battles. And Fontaine was on that list. So I remember like going into that boss battle thinking, oh boy, like this is going to be a tough one. Like I've got to really be prepared. And then... Doing it and being like, this is such an anti climax. yeah And it was kind of really like, it was just very generic. And I think even what was kind of sad is even Fontaine became quite generic as well. Like, I found Atlas, obviously, that was an alter ego, but I found him a more compelling. Like, I would have almost preferred if he had just turned evil and that had been the character that was the villain the whole time rather than that having been an alias. But yeah, so you found it pretty easy as well.
0: Oh my God, incredibly easy. Like, I just, I. I literally only had to use one weapon throughout the entire time. And that was the crossbow. I had plenty of ammo to start off with in that fight, but the crossbow just got him very quickly.
1: Well, the crossbow is superior and I'm sure we'll go into like what weapons we used and plasmids, but crossbow is just unbelievable. I just used that and it was over in probably less than a minute. Yeah. And I guess it's like a tricky thing because the game obviously isn't one of those games that's, built on like 1v1 combat or it's more about sort of you just progressing through the world of rapture and seeing the the story unfold uncovering all of the stories the audio diaries is something that I was always so meticulous about finding because there were so many supporting characters that had stories through that that I loved.
0: And That's the thing like the game itself a lot of the story is played out through the audio logs. You're not actively seeing a lot of what is happening and it's all being told or all being spoken to you through audio logs, whether it be in the moment or leading up to what has happened.
1: Exactly, and it's so what i always forget so many characters that you hear in the audio logs are never even in the game like for example like su chong who is such a prolific figure you know the doctor who helps really create the world of rapture um Hmm. in the first bioshock he's he's already dead like he's not even in the game and there is that moment where you see his body and later through bioshock infinite dlc you sort of get to see how that unravels but in bioshock one you just hear his voice, even characters like having just played it, you know, a supporting character like Diane McClintock, who's sort of Andrew Ryan's mistress. I always found her story really, really interesting. That was the one that stood out. That was the one that stood out to me. Definitely. And what's even, that's why I love the storytelling of Bioshock because having started replaying it, one of the first audio diaries you ever get is her getting murdered. You hear her voice and it's when people storm her work and she gets shot and dies. So I love that's something that's so interesting about Bioshock is you sort of get everyone's narratives in reverse. Like we get her death before we ever hear about her life. And I always think that's a really interesting sort of concept. Even like I said, Bridget Tenenbaum, such a great example where through the audio diaries, you hear about, you know, her life surviving german society and you hear about you know the creation of little sisters and the big daddies it's such an interesting game because it's one of those things where they're just all such flawed characters like i don't think Mm. there's a single character that really doesn't make mistakes and i guess it's up to the player to really pick and choose who has the most integrity and who deserves to be redeemed
0: yes and i oh i vividly remember the the dancer when you go i think in um Colin's stage where there's like that strip club like she was pregnant with ryan's kid and then you go into her room and she's just dead on the bed yeah that's like the one i vividly remember so well but let's actually Let's actually break into the gameplay. So this is a first person shooter with both guns and melee combat. I would say this is the weakest area of the game. I think, I don't think that's without question. This is probably the weakest area of the game. The gunplay felt very, I can't find the right word for it, but it doesn't feel fluid.
1: Well, yeah, I think that's the big thing, especially playing the non-remastered, like the original copies of Bioshock. The combat is just so clunky. And obviously, you know, being a first-person shooter, you know, so much of the game is the combat. And so you really need to get like that formula right. And I think all good shooters, like you look at something like Halo, for example, obviously great narrative, but you know, the first person shooting is like so central and the combat is amazing. And so I think with Bioshock conceptually, like it's, the combat is awesome. I think plasmids are some of the coolest things we've ever seen in gaming. But yeah, I agree. Like you said, it really lacks fluidity, I think throughout the whole first game.
0: And throughout the game, you'll, fo- you'll get your hands on a wide variety of weapons. So I'm going to go just off by order from what I re- recall. So you, ha- you start off with the wrench, which is your only melee weapon the classic you get the pistol you get the shotgun you get the tommy gun you get the grenade launcher the crossbow the camera which i always found annoying that you couldn't put away i hated the camera and i think i think that's everything i think i've got everything on there's also the um um,
1: the flamethrower as well Ah yes, that is. But that's that's understandable that you forgot about that one. I sort of forget about that gun too. I
0: I rarely used it Mm. in my game, in my um, in my run. But I kind of found it frustrating that it wasn't particularly intuitive to switch weapons easily. I I just I was constantly pressing the arrow button, the D pad, to switch weapons and cycling through everything till I find that right one. And then even then, the some of the reload and animations take forever just to get through and I found that once again a little bit on the less uh, the side of the game that could have been improved upon I think true like having I don't like having limits on having how many weapons you can have but something like two or three and you can interchange them between like with lockers or something like that I definitely would have preferred that over carrying everything but constantly trying to press the button or holding down a button and then dragging um the analog stick just to get the right one
1: yeah i know i completely agree and it can be really frustrating like i know playing on the xbox it's so sensitive that sometimes you'll go to select a weapon and then you'll have accidentally selected the wrong one and then you'll just have this other weapon that you weren't wanting and so yeah i do think that the whole sort of gun mechanic um is a bit definitely a bit clunky i actually really like sort of having access to all the weapons i think it's really fun because it means you know in any scenario you can really do whatever you want yeah i think that's probably like you said i think it's the biggest letdown of the first game is how clunky the the weapons are
0: but to also complement the game each gun has different ammo type um you have like regular ammo armor piercing ammo like buckshot flame rounds trap rounds all that good stuff like I I do praise the game for that in that I could tackle like either just regular splices which do have some weaknesses to certain weapon types or so certain ammo types rather and trying to figure out the best way to take down a big daddy but in reality the best weapon in the game is the crossbow because it deals a hell of a lot of damage and if you have the flame one it, it can stick with them for a while so you get that initial burst of hey I've just taken a bunch of health off but then it'll also drain the health
1: oh definitely and I think you talked about like the trap shots before the the trap bullet for the crossbow is one of my favorite sort of traps in any game I think it's so cool like I always used to love like if you knew that a whole horde of splices were appealing I would just like spam those traps everywhere those wires would be all over the place and then I would run into them and die yeah. but the crossbow is definitely superior and I think part the combat is that you can upgrade the guns and the weapons once you get to the point where that crossbow is fully upgraded there's really no point to to use anything else i think unless you're coming across a big daddy where you know the grenade launcher can be really handy but there were a ton of times in this game where i was flat
0: out out of ammo and you can easily run out of ammo in this game but also just as easily regain it and i found that same thing with health and eve so
1: Eve is um, what you use for plasmids. So let's go into plasmids. There is a lot. Definitely a few trusty ones that I think everyone uses, but the variety, you can't fault the creators on there creativity, I think. was No, the no.
0: Which, which ones were your go-to?
1: Especially because I've replayed this game so many times. And I know the last time I replayed it, I did it on the hardest difficulty and I had Vita Chambers disabled. And so Vita Chambers are how like you respawn. And so I know that when that was sort of my grind playthrough, I realized just how good Electro Bolt is. I think it's just, you can't really beat it. And I always loved, obviously the plasmids can be upgraded. And so I always loved, yes. you know, you start off with Electro Bolt, obviously the blue like Electricity, but then when you get to the final upgrade there's just like a whole hand of electricity and i thought it always looked so cool but i was gonna say the one i upgraded the most was actually the swarm oh really I found that
0: to be the most effective because i'm always someone that constantly wants to deal damage yeah so i would constantly cast swarm onto enemies and especially like in those tough big daddy fights like having having it chip off the health was such a lifesaver at
1: times. Interesting. I do remember um, one of the trailers where you shoot the swarm out of your hand and I was like, this is the coolest thing ever and then getting it in the game. I just went crazy with it. But I also think I'm always a sucker for like any sort of fire related damage. So Incinerate is another one fully upgraded. Also the animation is for that one's particularly cool because it has like the red and the blue flames. And I always loved the click. I always thought that was like the coolest thing ever. But I think those two were always my go-tos, I think. Also like, you know, the clever mechanics of the game, if there's ever water, luring splices into it and shooting electro bolt and then them just completely frying. I thought was always a great tactic. The game very much encourages
0: you to use the environment to your advantage.
1: And I think my third favorite, which I think is also very underrated, is of course telekinesis. It's so interesting and I thought it was so ahead of its time. I can't really think of many games that really had such an awesome telekinesis power like that. And so I used to love, you know, getting like a flammable object and just using my telekinesis and walking around with it and just waiting for the splices to appear. And so I thought that also added Mm. some really cool elements to the game where there would be certain items that you knew that you had to use it for. So that was the one that I always had available to use because I knew at some point there would be something I could use it for or need it for. Well speaking of things that are cool, uh let's talk about at, like the atmosphere of the game. This game is not it's
0: not incredibly realistic in a sense. It does fall I would say it has a more cartoony style, but what i love about this game and that's and this is consistently throughout the game is the lighting the fact that for a lot of the time there is very little especially in that first part where you're up against dr steinman and patrolling around his sort of area of the game the lighting played such a key factor into as to why it was scary because one part of the room will not be illuminated except for the front as you walk in where you have the photos of a woman and like different images of the body being placed onto this not being placed on this woman's face but trying to craft the perfect human being almost
1: yeah definitely I think that's like again we like we said before it's not an overtly horror game but no there'd be moments where yeah all of a sudden like you said like so much of the lighting is sort of the horror of it but then there'd be moments where the lights would just turn off all of a sudden and nothing would happen. And then they just turn back on and you would just kind of, like I know when I play, I would just always have a pause and be like, is something going to appear? Like why did that just happen? And so that's, you talk about like the atmosphere. I think it always has such an eerie atmosphere. And obviously the content itself is quite troublesome. It's a very scary sort of reality that Rapture is, but that's what I always loved, that you're always kind of on edge. And that leads me on to my next point. Like splices, they're constantly constantly
0: talking, they're constantly yelling, like they're just essentially people who have gone insane.
1: Oh, and that used to be like, I still maintain that the splices are some of the scariest sort of I don't know people in any game and it's you know they're not even super difficult to kill but it's like you said it's the constant muttering to themselves I think it's the pure insanity that used to scare me like I know like when I was younger there would be times where I would hear one talking to itself and I would just like sit there because I was just like paralyzed I was like I don't want to go and have to like face this next wave of splices like I'm just gonna sit Hmm. here and and mind my own business and particularly like I always found the female splicer voice particularly scary for some reason and then on top of that you have
0: the more stealthy ones especially when you reach that part of the game where you're introduced to the spider splices yes they were the freaky ones for me because they'd just be it's like that moment where you get hit but you'd be like what the hell like where where is it where is it and then in less scary sense but more annoying you had the houdini splices which could just disappear and be like oh hello big summer blowout see (laughs) isn't it just a frozen
1: reference (laughs) I think so. <laughs> yoo big summer bloke. But see, that's funny because I found the Houdini splice is the most terrifying and I genuinely have it imprinted in my mind when you first see one because I know that the ominous music arrives and it's like a scene, it's a part of the game where you walk up to like a mask and then your back is like to the rest of the world. And I just remember like being like, I know that there's something behind me, so I'm just not going to turn around. And I distinctly remember the first time I ever played Bioshock, I just like sat there for five minutes and I was like, I'm not turning the camera. And then turning the camera and there was the Houdini splicer. The spider splicers, definitely. I like, I know what you mean where they just appear and you're getting hit and you're losing health and you're like, what's happening? But I always found the Houdini splicers the most terrifying. And I just love the name. I thought that was so clever.
0: when we talk about the horror in this game a lot of it does come down to the spices and how unpredictable they are in terms of adding to the atmosphere in that yes they're they're talking to themselves they're hiding everywhere and they're insane
1: i think that's the thing it's like the, the pure insanity like they're, they're like humans at the end of the day you know the in like injecting themselves with plasmids to the point of they're just kind of like a husk of their former selves i always thought it was like really cool but yes again very terrifying
0: and then as well let's go head up to the little sisters they're key to progressing in this game because you need to retrieve Adam from them which you can do by either harvesting or rescuing them I chose to be a good boy and rescued them all though there were times where I did not want to have to go through a big daddy to get to them
1: good I was gonna say this was gonna be like the moment of truth with the two of us oh, like yeah. this was oh, it yeah, no. like harvest save like oh boy I could and even when I would play like multiple playthroughs I would like get to that moment and I'd be like all right like I'm just gonna harvest them like I've just got to do it but then I every time I'd be like I can't do this like it's just yeah. I don't know what kind of horrible harvest person does that and rescuing them
0: does come with its benefits because you don't get as much Adam from rescuing them as you would harvesting them but in return, Tenenbaum um, we'll be like, hey, little sister has wants to thank you and here's a gift. And it'll be like a bunch of atoms, some health and some vital things that you need to progress. And it'll get to a point late in the game where you're you're in um, sort of Tenenbaums, sort of safe area with the little sisters that you've saved. As much as
1: I love the choice of saving or harvesting them, I always found it sort of bizarre if you had the whole time been harvesting them to then be in that situation, like as much as I love that that choice is there, I think that if anything, the storyline progresses and plays out more fluidly and better if you are saving them, because you kind of, obviously you get a better payoff, but I think it just makes more sense in my mind. Obviously Tenenbaum helping you, you know, is mainly because she just sort of wants Fontaine dead. But I think if she has that respect for you, I think it sort of makes the whole final storyline more rewarding
0: but overall this game for my playthrough it took about 10 to 12 hours I want to say which it's a
1: decent Single player experience? You know, I think a lot of video games, single player video games that are very narrative driven, do sort of fall in that 10 to 15 hours. Like I said before, I think if you up the difficulty and do no Vita Chambers, you can really draw out the time of the game. There's so much story to unfold, sort of going through different rooms, finding the audio diary. So I think if you do go for like a completionist playthrough, you can definitely hit like the 20 hour mark, I think for sure. Hmm,
0: But I think even then, a completionist playthrough, it. yeah, it's definitely not going to take any more than 20 hours. Uh. Even like, I probably, I think I even nearly got a near 100% run because I didn't save every little sister. Because there were some points where I'm like, nope, not going to bother with the big daddy. I'm just going to head on in to the next area. Yeah, that's so- great. Right. Understandable, And I got close. Like I, I'm not sure how many audio logs there are in total. I'm pretty sure I've got a good majority of them. But overall, is this game worth going back to in 2021?
1: Oh, I absolutely think so. Like I said, it's one of my favorite games. You know, the narrative is just something that is just unbelievable. Even just, you know, movies, television, video game. I think it's so unique. And especially now we have like the remastered trilogy. And so I think, you know, three in ones are always good deals. And so I definitely recommend for anyone. I know one of my best friends Who had never played any of them before when the remaster came out? I said, Look, just get it. Like, you've been putting it off all these years. You know how much I love it. Just do it. And he was like, All right. He bought them. And now Bioshock, it's one of his favorite games as well. Definitely for people who haven't played it, it's one of those sort of games that I think anyone who's a lover of video games needs to pick it up at some point. What do you Hmm. think?
0: From my end, it was a good once round experience. The story was great. That was sort of the main focus for me. Like, I wanted to, because I hadn't properly played. Through the game I hadn't probably seen everything so I wanted to see everything and I got you know I saw everything it was great it was a fun experience and I didn't find it all too frustrating even like even the hacking stuff was really good but I enjoyed my time with it and like you said you know it, the collection is a three-pack well you're going to get a three-pack of these Bioshock reviews but uh, we're going to leave it at that and this will be the end of the of the Bioshock 1 review will be get into Bioshock 2 eventually eventually when I get around to playing it and all the other 15 billion games that I currently have in my backlog. But whilst you're at it, you can go check out Player One on the Facebooks, the Twitters and Instagrams at Player One Zen. Go check us out in the podcast realm as well at Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those great places. Uh, Eleni, thank you so much for helping me tackle Bioshock. Of
1: course, always happy to talk about video games and especially the Bioshock series. Hell
0: yeah, I'm very happy talking about video games and we will see you next time on Player One.